Welcome back to Project Badass Podcast. My name is Madison Reeves, your host and author of Project Badass. And today I have a very special guest with us um, with something new we've never discussed on the podcast before. So I'm excited for him to dive into it. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Isaac Hopkins. He is the personal brand designer, owner and CEO of American Waymaker. So thank you so much for being here, Isaac. Hey, thanks for inviting me. This is going to be pretty fun. Absolutely. So um, I'd love for you to tell our audience who you are, what your business is and what you stand for. All right. So I'm Isaac Hopkins. And uh, so my business is about personal branding. So it's my belief that in the future, the way things are going, the, the sort of the, the general trend of things uh, is that the idea of having these, you know, companies where you scale to, you know, a hundred million dollars in the first couple of years and that you take over a whole industry, those are going away. Right. There's not going to be too many of those. What it's going to come down to is smaller and smaller areas and niches that you have to dominate in order for you to sort of have liter- any notoriety, but also to have any success. Okay. And I think that's where the personal branding is going to come in more than ever. Because if you look at if you look at any company right now, right, Kanye West, look sure. at uh, um, uh, you know uh, Richard Branson, look at any of these people, they have more of a following than all their companies combined. Right. It's the personality that drives the opportunities that create the business. Yep. And so that's what I put my focus on. Okay. So um, I have to ask, American Waymaker, how did you come up with that name? So <laughs> personal branding. Yeah, I yeah. figure there's oh, a, yeah. there's a story for sure. So. <laughs> So the Waymaker is sort of a, it, it, it's a way for me to explain kind of a, a really, really simplified version of what I do. I create a pathway for people to find a way to get something done, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever that looks like. So for some people, they might say your business has a bunch of compliance issues and you can't necessarily speak freely or you can't say certain things because you'll get dinged by it. And there's all these different laws and protocols and regulations, right? Well, I will always find a pathway. I will always find some sort of a method, a system, some sort of a a way to go ahead and make that happen for you so that way you can be as much yourself as possible and create this brand that not only reflects you, your culture, your values, but is also going to perfectly reflect your industry and what you need to represent to your clients and customers. So that it became sort of an inside joke that I was this way maker that always found something. So that became the thing. Okay. And that makes sense. And before we started recording, you mentioned to me that you're not from the Black Hills. Oh, yeah. So tell me about your journey to South Dakota, since it sounds like you came from somewhere much different than this. Oh, yeah. um, And how you came to founding and, you know, being the CEO of American Waymaker. So that was a whole bunch of chaos that led to that. (laughs) So so how how it was was that, so before this, I had a, a design agency. Okay. Yep. And my design agency used to be called Squishy Brick Studios. Interesting. Squishy Won't Brick. Don't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> Squishy Brick was a it was a it was a real fun sort of company. The the way I, I wanted to reflect that even the name. Sure. Right. So Squishy Brick was supposed to represent the duality of hard and soft skills okay. that went into creating really really good design. So that's why I wanted to come up with something that was funny that immediately puts you sort of in a lighthearted mood, and it and it sort of set the tone that we get to work, but we're we're lighthearted about it. We don't take ourselves so seriously. So I had that business for a long time, even like uh, fresh out of college. I mean, I, I really was I, I really was big into design, and my background is actually in video game design. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. So, did you design any video games we would know? No, nothing, nothing no? big. Yeah, <laughs> okay. nothing big. I never worked on any big AAA titles. Sure. I did a bunch of uh, a bunch of small indie stuff, cool. and then I did work for uh, I, I subcontracted for a couple AAA studios to work on just small little pieces and parts mm-hmm. and things like that. I probably wouldn't know even if you did work on something big. So, <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> you're not a big gamer. No, no. <laughs> not really. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but yes, yeah, so it, it was. I mean, it was great. I thought that's where I wanted to go in life. Yeah. I, I really wanted to, to to design video games, and so and and for anybody who might know about that. I was on the art side. I was not on the pro- programming side. Okay. Yeah, because okay. there's there's two sides to it. There's programmers and artists, and basically okay. you just butt heads all day long and try <laughs> to get them to you know function and make something together. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was so I a, a lot of what I did uh, a lot of what I did creating uh, the, the, with the psychology behind video games is how I got to where I am now. Okay. So um, sorry, I'll touch on that in a second. Yeah, let, let me no. jump back to the other part. So uh, so I moved here from Nantucket, Massachusetts. And so anybody who's not familiar with that, that's a, a small island that's like 30 miles off the coast of uh, Massachusetts. So it's it's like the little little sister island to Martha's Vineyard. Okay. So, you know what I mean? So they compete over who's more bougie and, you know, who's more special. Right. So, <laughs> but it's, it's a super nice place, though. Yeah. So, um, so that's where I was living for, for a couple of years before I moved out here. Okay. But while I was living there, that's when COVID happened. And, uh, okay. and this beautiful little, you know, oasis of an island turned into like a mini prison colony for me. Yeah. And it turned into that real fast. So pretty tough shutdowns because we had nothing. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. we had nothing here. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it got a little, it got crazy. It, it really did. It got a little crazy. They, they, a bunch of, uh, I mean, I think it was around close to 30% of the businesses on the island shut down permanently. Wow. And you're talking about businesses who've been around since early whaling post days, yeah. 1800s and things. Yeah. They're gone now. And all sorts of industries. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Now, the clients that worked with me, I was able to find another way for them to go ahead and, and get around that, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was, to digitize their services, to just to find some method, some way around it. And, and it was I was able to do that effectively. But it was it was so crazy that they were, that, that the, essentially the government was stepping in and just ruining people's lives. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't the fault of any individual. This wasn't anybody who's make, making mistakes. Right. It was just people saying, hey, you, you have to do this or else. Mm-hmm. That was it. And then that island lives and dies based off of the ferry and how it can get supplies in and out. So you miss two or three supply runs, you know, two or three boats that are coming in and things get a little sketchy on the island. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I, it, it was just getting it was getting it was getting worse and worse to me in terms of how, how I would be able to conduct my own business let alone everybody around here now is going to be super tight with their money, right? Because everyone's in survival mode. Yeah. It, it just, it became this place where I was like, it, this is not worth, you know, for the, for the beautiful sort of terrain in, in, a, in the beaches, it wasn't worth it to me to sort of make that sort of social and moral compromise. Right. So I already knew that I wanted to get out of there. Now, would you say, this is just an assumption, so totally correct me. Mm-hmm. Talking in regards to like money was tighter at that point, mm-hmm. people were in that scarcity mindset. Did you ever find that sometimes your services you, you were offering at that point weren't as necessary, so you're having a harder time closing people to to purchase your services, if I'm making sense? Yeah, yeah for sure. To, to a degree. Okay. To a degree, right? Because anytime there is an economic downturn, consultants in general generally yeah. are the first one to get cut, right? So, But the difference is, is that it... For, put it this way, for the businesses who had everything already figured out, like like the little mom and pop pizza place over there, there there's this uh, pizza place. Um, they make awesome pizzas. There's really nothing else about it. Yeah. They make they make awesome pizzas. Yeah. Those pizzas are known throughout the whole island as the best pizzas on the island, and they're old school. They barely have a website. I mean, they have nothing. You have to yeah. you have to call in your order. You can't. I mean, there is no tech associated with mm-hmm. it. You still walk over there. I think they only accept cash though. Oh, like, funny. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, we have a couple businesses like that around right? here. So, but their but their service is so good that they're just rooted. They they have no need for anything extra. So places like that, yeah, they had no need for me. 
but there was a couple different places. Like there was like a um, there was like a, a wellness uh, center that I worked mm-hmm. with out there, and they worked with a lot of high end clients. Okay. Those high end clients, although COVID and everything was still going around, they still want their vacations. Yeah. Now these guys had to figure out how to go ahead and make sure they could serve those clients, or else we go out of business. So those people still definitely needed my services. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where I really put the focus on, and sure. it was helping those guys. Yeah. But anybody who had those deeply rooted businesses where the world could shut down and people still going to show up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. But what's the point? You know, and I kind of see it from their perspective. Oh, hundred well. percent. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and I and I actually. I never even attempt to impose my services on people like that. I, I only go for I only go for people who actually have the need. Mm-hmm. If those people want to to bring me on board because they want to go ahead and, and and put themselves in some new level or they want to rebrand or something like that, no issue. I'll help them hundred percent. But I, I never even I never even literally spend a second talking to, to businesses like that. Well, and I'm sure that kind of goes into being a personal brand designer. You have to know who your target audience is. Hundred percent. You know, might as well not waste your time if they're not your people. I mean, it's even basic sales, right? You don't turn yeah. tire kickers into, into buyers. Yeah. I mean, it's, exactly. it's a waste of time. In every industry. Totally agree. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so, okay. So, that, so based on all that chaos that was happening over there, I already yeah. knew I wanted, I wanted off the island. So, uh, and then on top of that, it was already, it, it was like, you're, you're, you're bleeding money over there during COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, every, every trip on the ferry was like almost $250 each way. What? And, yeah. Holy crap! And, and the ticket that you pay for it, they don't really, it doesn't really reserve anything. Mm-hmm. So say, so say if you're in line and a, and a truck of concrete, a truck of bringing concrete or shingles comes on, they're like, "Sorry, bro, we need concrete." So you just get bumped, and then that's it. And that might, and this happened to me a bunch of times where you're in line, you're sitting there, and they're just like, "Wait, hang on," and another truck goes on the boat, and they're like, "Give us another minute." Another truck, and two hours later, you're still not on the boat, and yeah. then eventually they just shut the doors and go, "Sorry, no, no more, can't fit anymore today." Now you got to go and figure out, get a hotel, and you're on the mainland, and you got to go figure all your life out for the night. <laughs> Did the ticket at least transfer? No, not really. So wait, how the, how the ticket? It's crazy. How, how the tickets <laughs> work? Yeah, the tickets over there work. They're like they're more of a suggestion. Okay. So, so how it works is that your ticket doesn't really guarantee you anything. All it does is it tomorrow you can get a little bit. You can either get first in line on the. Um, yeah, you can get first in line basically, or we can get you closer to the front of line. Sure. So a two hundred and fifty dollars suggestion each mm-hmm. way. <laughs> yep. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, it, and this is—I mean, this is getting. I mean, so after a while, you're just bleeding money. Yeah. And, and I, I had to go back to the mainland constantly. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of times where the the weather's bad and there's no more boats today. Sure. So now you're back in a hotel again for the night. Yeah, and which it, is another, you know, 200 bucks a night at least, I'm yeah, sure. I mean, this is, and, and now imagine this, this is every day. Mm-hmm. And then you never necessarily know when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen to you. It's like, oh As my someone gosh. who time blocks, that just makes me sweat thinking about it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it, it, it was getting to the point of, of, of absurdity. It really yeah. was. So I already knew that I wanted to go somewhere where, somewhere that had my idea of freedom. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was looking at different parts of Texas and then I was looking at South Dakota for, mm-hmm. for, for a while. And then specifically, I was looking at the Black Hills. I really liked the, A, I liked the, the, the I, I love the forest, mm-hmm. right? So that's one thing. Living on, living on the island taught me I'm not an ocean person. Okay. Well, at least you know. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with the, with the ocean, right? Ocean is beautiful. You can have a lot of fun, but there's monsters in there. Right, right, right. And I'm just right. not cool with that. <laughs> I mean, we got stuff in our forest too, but as long as you stay away from yeah. them, they stay away from you. But at least we're on some sort of terrain that's similar. <laughs> yeah. We both breathe oxygen. There you we, go. <laughs> that was my, like, so I had a couple of buddies on the island, right, where once COVID happened and there was hardly nobody out on the water, mm-hmm. well, all a bunch of sea lions decided to take back their territories. 
So there was whole areas covered in sea lions. Then because of the sea lions, there's a bunch of sharks. That makes my skin crawl. <laughs> so there was times where I was in the water and my buddy shows me his fish finder and he's like, check that out. And you can just see there's sharks everywhere. Wow. And you're like, cool. So this is fun still? We're still, we're, 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 we're doing fun now, right? Well, I'm sure there's, you know, homes and stuff on the beach and stuff like that as well. Yep. Yeah, yep. no, thank you. Yep. I'm good. And it's just, you know what I'm saying? And, like, and, it, and it really, like, I was already hesitant to get in the water. I, sure. I already was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, we're, yeah. we get a little bit, I get waist high and we're like, all right, that's that's good enough right there. Right, yeah. But then once, you, once I literally can see the fish finder and you're seeing monsters everywhere, I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, we get, we might get hail and a lot of tornadoes here and yeah. some snow but at least we don't have that yes now <laughs> the tornadoes are the other one that's why i didn't go to texas okay because we don't have a ton on this side of the state yes, yes. hail for sure yes yeah. hail, sure I can, that. yeah yeah i can deal i'll deal with hail because I, I grew up with hurricanes all the time oh sure okay right? so, so i mean no big deal yeah so <laughs> hail is like okay it's understandable but i have a couple like hard no's for me tornadoes are a hard no yeah. It's a, there's very little difference to me between a tornado and essentially Godzilla. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's it might as well be a monster that just stomped through your city and everyone just knows that it happens. Like, <laughs> I, that's a fair point. At least with hail, you just put your car in the garage and pay your deductible when exactly. your roof needs replaced. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so your okay. car is a little dimply. Yeah. But tornadoes to me, I, I cannot bring myself to live somewhere where a tornado occurs regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we had like one touchdown this year, but that's been the first one in a while. On this side? Yeah. Oh. But it was Bell, closer to Belfouche. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So it didn't affect you <laughs> down here in Rapid City. There but you go. Yeah, not too much, but I mean, where are they going to go with the hills? Yeah, true. So. Yeah. Okay. Which is part of my calculation, so. <laughs> Makes sense. You've thought this through. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I'm telling you, I, I was, that I really did want to go to Texas at one point, but I mean, literally, the t- tornadoes for me are such a hard no. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it. <laughs> Because I, 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 I have to put myself in that, in that position, right? right? What would it feel like to watch my house just be turned into confetti, and then I get to just sit there and go, we're going to rebuild. Yeah. We're gonna be, there was, I, I had none of that in me. I, I, that day, I would just go, yeah, that's it. We're out. This, we might as well just move. I'm leaving. <laughs> yes, I'm leaving. Okay. With, with everything I have on, I'm just going to take off. Okay. So, yeah. So, that's, that was a big part of it. So. The Black Hills, then. Yeah, so that, and, then, and this was a bunch of, you know, calculation kind of, of really seeing where I wanted to go in the country, checking out the laws, checking out how everything was. And I saw that spe- specifically in South Dakota, in the Black Hills, that you guys basically were unaffected by the whole COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Nobody here went completely insane and, you know, and, and went triple mask. And I didn't see people driving around with four face shields in the car. And Yeah, I mean, it, we didn't even, I didn't even own a mask. I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome compared to the people. I, I, on the island, I had a lady almost throw herself in traffic because I was jogging on a, on a path, on a, on a running path. And we got, I got a little bit within the six feet and she chose traffic Instead of you. Instead of getting the possibility of experiencing COVID on a, on a running path. Mm-hmm. So this was us jogging past each other. I kind of give her the, hey, you know, good morning. And she throws herself into the street. Like That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, and yeah. that's something, too, to be said in, for the Black Hills. Like, we were very sheltered for COVID. Mm-hmm. But we're also very sheltered for, like, really anything in the country. I mean, you think about, I'm in the real estate industry, so I think about like the 2008 crash, mm-hmm. um, what we're experiencing right now. Yeah, we yeah. are super sheltered from pretty much everything. We're like on an island, yeah. but not the one you're used yeah, yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and it's, it's good though. It really yeah. is. Like, I, and, I, and it's funny too, because I talk to people out here and um, 
and there's so many people out here who kind of they, they 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 agree with that but they say it in sort of a like like oh man like we're kind of behind we're kind of like they almost look at it as a negative no i think it's great it's awesome i mean it's awesome you think about our economy i mean we're virtually unaffected i mean we are but not anywhere to the extent of yeah. like metro cities are pretty much outside of the boundaries of south dakota mm-hmm so. And, and it, I'm telling you, it's way. And I can tell you too that even just the the people are are, are just uh, they're just nicer. They're, they're they're more genuine people out here. Sort of have this ability to, when, when you're talking with somebody, you're kind of in the conversation as opposed to sort of like you know catching lint, you know you know <laughs> watching dandelions and you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. it, it's this floaty sort of focus that a lot of other people have, especially in cities. Yeah. Because cities, you know, like like it's like I st- I still have it. I, I noticed when I come when I came out here, I still have weirdness about it. Like. I, I got used to it. I used to live in D.C. too for a long time. And, like, when you live in a big city, you meet people knowing that I'll probably never see you again. Yeah. Right? So you kind of go like, hey, what's going on? All right, cool. And you just kind of yeah. take off, you know? Well, and it's super interesting to hear your perspective because I was born and raised here. I mean, mm-hmm. I was born and raised in a town of 5,500 people. Uh, my graduating class was 80. Wow. Wow. <laughs> my my fiancé, my husband, he graduated with uh, 20 people. He lived in a town of 1800 in Montana. Wow. So like, that's wild. it's totally not wow. even my thing that you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting to hear though. Yeah. 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 So. It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's very different. I mean, don't get me wrong. I really like it. Yeah. I really like it because it's, it's noticeable. Like in the city, there's very much a feel of, uh, what are you going to do for me? It's, it's very, it's very strong too. Okay. Whenever you meet somebody, it's kind of like you get a quick up and down and they kind of look you in and okay, well, say something good now. Yeah. Like it's very like performative, you know? So the way that people are different, just for lack of better words, here in South Dakota, how does that affect how you interact with your customers and your business or potential customers? It lets me be a little bit more me actually. Okay. Because the, the, I never liked that those aspects of the city. Mm-hmm. That's my whole life. That's how I, you know. So I, you know, I lived for a long time in in, um, in D.C. I lived in New York for a long while. Uh, I mean, so I've I've operated in big cities for a long time, but I never necessarily enjoyed that mode of interaction. Mm-hmm. So for me, it I, okay when 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 I talk to people, I like to dork out over things. Mm-hmm. That that's and that's kind of how I got into my business. Sure. If I'm my my brain doesn't chill out. If 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 I'm sitting alone, I'll look at this mic stand and then I'm like, oh look at that. They they have a little neural sort of pathway on this right here, right? That must mean that there's some sort of a company that can actually insert a little bit of a, a neural thread in there. So maybe it's molded, right? So if it's molded, it's produced somewhere at a company I can make. <laughs> and then and the next thing I'm just staring off for like 20 minutes, just looking to the distance, thinking about some knob or something like yeah. that. That, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of how it works for me. So I do that with people's businesses as well. Sure. So when I meet somebody and they tell me, oh, I launched CubeSats in the, in the space or something like that. That's not like, oh, you just, I'm like, what? Hold on. Wait. Okay. So how does that work? So what, you know, yeah. and then I want to dive into it. I want to get all the little details. And people out here have been, they're, they're more than happy to dive into a conversation. Oh, yeah. People are so friendly out here. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. They're down to just go into it. Whereas yeah. in the city, it's kind of like. You know, within thirty seconds, it's like, all right, where's where this going? Like, are you gonna rob me? Like, what do you want from me? I don't have, dude, I don't have any cash on me. Like, like <laughs> that is another huge thing. Like, we have crime here, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it's virtually like next to nothing, right? The crime out here is cute. I mean, I didn't even like lock my doors to my house until I lived alone. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's something you have to think about. <laughs> I've met many people out here who tell me that they just leave the keys in the car and they walk in the house. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? There's nobody to steal it. <laughs> I literally couldn't sleep if that was the case. Yeah. Well, then you got to think too, like, I mean, 
we are an open carry state, so you yeah. walk into somebody's house. It's a wrap. Yeah, I mean, including mine, you know what you yeah. get yourself into yeah. type of deal. Yeah. So, Well, that, that is the big difference, right? Whereas a lot of the blue states, right, mm-hmm. that is the number one problem. Remember, they think that guns, you lay them on the table and they get up and just start attacking people. Right. Right? So that's the way they see guns. Yeah. But the, the reality is that they every time that they're – I grew up in this stuff. I, I'm a product of these gun-free zones. <laughs> yeah. It was normal. At, we, when I was in high school, you're at a house party, and you know we got about 45 minutes before we we can hang out for the shot start. That's just part of your that's part of your life. What? That is insane. That's just how it works. And see, like I was raised pretty much as soon as I could hold a gun. Yeah. We were shooting proficiently. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean that's just the way that you protect yourself. That's the way you provide food for your family. I mean, we still eat what we hunt. Yeah. So yeah. that is crazy. Was that a hard adjustment for you? No, no, okay. not, not at all. Because I never had any any sort of, um, I never had any illusions about what guns were. Sure. I, it, it, I knew it was, it, this. see, that that's where that's where you get into the ideological sort of differences, mm-hmm. right? So I was, I grew up as somebody in a blue state. I, I grew up super poor, too. So I grew up as, as, as a kid, you know, living in the hood and stuff. So I grew up seeing things and viewing them and just seeing them for what they were. And then there's a then there's a message that's given to everybody. Mm-hmm. There's the tone that gets pumped out there about you're a victim. All these people are against you, right? right. It's all these different things, right? So th- and then you get to choose, right? And it's sort of the loser mindset. It really is. If if you want to be if if you want to blame other people for your problems, and it's easy to say, you know, I could try something, but I might fail, and then I look really stupid because I failed at it, right? That right there, the easy solution is to say, oh, it's because of the man. Right, the, the man has me down. That's that's generally how it works, mm-hmm. and most people choose that. Yeah, which is so crazy to me because I just don't feel like we're taught that here. At least not to the same degree. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I grew up in a farming community. If you don't farm and ranch, like you're not putting food on your table. Yep. And we didn't personally have any land, but like that's just the way it went. Mm-hmm. The meat in the store were from people who put the work in to do it. Yep. Yeah. And you might Crazy. even know you might even oh, know them. Right? I mean, like we yeah. still buy our eggs from the the people who have the chickens on their farm still. And I I like used to go to school with their kids. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. No, so awesome. you're adjusting to the small town. Then I say because mm-hmm. I think Rapid City's big. It's big to me, mm-hmm. but it's probably tiny to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it, but it's to, uh, I would say it's it's the right size. I think this is an appropriate size for a city. Absolutely. I think I think as the city gets larger, the 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 ability for you to for people to care about each other goes away. Right. The the larger it, it gets, mm-hmm. it, it's just it, I don't know. Like I said, I, I've never I've never seen it otherwise. I've been to a bunch of different cities. Yeah. The bigger the city, the less people care about each other, mm-hmm. and it, it's just kind of hard to. You know what I mean? It's like they, yeah. people become obstacles essentially after sure. a while. They don't become they're not resources for you. They're, and over here, I notice how people operate, especially in the cold. I notice when it's snowing around, you know, people really, you see people looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. People are watching, you know, the, I, I notice a lot of that stuff. Whereas, yeah. you know, like in New York or something, you, you could be on the side of the road trying to change your tire and it'll blow by you at 80 miles an hour yeah. and like get almost clip you. Like That's crazy to me. Oh, yeah. So have you ventured up into the Northern Hills? Uh, not so much. I think as far as I went so far as, um, I think I went to like Blackhawk and okay. close to like Piedmont. I think that's about as far as I went. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll have to take some time to go up into like the Sturgis, Spearfish, Lee, Deadwood area mm-hmm. um, because this is our big city. Mm-hmm. I live up in Lead. Okay. Under 3,000 people. Best place I've ever lived. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have like one coffee shop and one restaurant, but everything is so close here. So you don't feel like you're being deprived of anything. I see. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, 
just think of like the connection with people in Rapid City. It's mm-hmm. tenfold up there because you know you know your neighbor mm-hmm. and your neighbor's neighbor and you know everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that, man. I, re- I really do. And and that's that's sort of the that's sort of a big goal for me. Is is I want to get some. I want to get you know some 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 land. I want to get a, a house somewhere out there like that. I want to be in that sort of setting because yeah. I think that it adds to your longevity. Oh yeah. Oh you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. You came to South Dakota in the 2020 then? Uh, or was it 2021? 20, 20, at the end of 2020. At the end of 2020. Yes. Okay. And you were still doing your graphic design business before you moved or you'd already started American Waymaker? So I, I already was in the process of making American Waymaker because okay. I, I was transitioning the my previous company, Squishy Brick. So I was already transitioning that whole thing. So it was a design company for, for the longest. But then maybe maybe up until about three years ago, um, I noticed that I could solve most people's problems without design. Okay. Now, do you offer design still? No. Okay. That I thought so based on your website, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, it just, I, I have been doing design forever, but as when, when you're doing design work, right, it's extremely subjective, right? I mean, completely subjective. Right. So, so if I'm doing a logo for you and you tell me it needs to be light, airy, it needs to have, um, it needs to be spiritual, Right? What does any of that actually mean? I mean, it means something different to you than it does to me, I'm sure. 100%, right? So I have no way of quantifying what that means. So I started coming up with different sort of little tests in different ways to, to, to get a client to describe further what that meant sure. by associating it with something. Mm-hmm. And then I based that whole system off of, this goes back to the game design stuff. So when you're creating a video game, right? Say like a basic level, think of like Sonic the Hedgehog kind of, kind of video game, yep. right? When you're creating a level for somebody, it sucks to put somebody through a tutorial, right? If I tell you, hey, do you want to play a game or do you want me to teach you how to play? Yeah. You're like, just get out of the way. Let me just, yeah, let me just, just play. Let me figure it out. Right? Mm-hmm. But you can't do that in every game because most people don't know the game and you're going to have a frustrating time. So instead what you have to do is you have to design the game so that way you, you, you provide information to the player little bits at a time to where they feel that they're discovering the game and that they're learning. As they, as they feel that they're discovering the game and that they're learning, they get a little bit of that dopamine hit and they feel good, so they want to continue playing the game. But you have to be proficient enough in your, in your understanding of, the, of their psychology to know where, when, and how to leak out the right piece of information. So, for instance, this easy one is like maybe the whole level is not perfectly flat. It's slightly skewed towards the right side of the screen, so that way the person just instinctively feels, maybe I should run to the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, enemies are red, right? Um, open doors are green. Uh, uh, items that you can interact with are yellow, right? So little, so you start using color. You start using um, uh, sort of patterns, right? You set a pattern and then you let them catch on to it. Hey, look! Every time I get to a door that that uh, has the green um, light on it, well, that's open. But one with a blue light means I can jump above it. Right. Okay. And then you show it to them in some way. Right. So maybe you have an enemy attack them that does something different now. And then all of a sudden you present, hey, look, that enemy is not the same as the last five enemies. Now you have to attack it this way using this thing. So you put a barrier in their way. Now they have to jump above it and then attack from the top. Right. So you have to teach them how to play the game, but in a way where they feel like they're, they're naturally discovering this. I took those same concepts and I started applying them to how I operate with clients in order for me to discover how I can best deliver their design work. So yep. that's fascinating. <laughs> I'm like, okay, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so that that was the whole basis for a lot of my systems. Yeah, and as you're like I like I said earlier, I'm not a big gamer, but as you're like mm-hmm. talking me through that, I'm like, yeah, that game does do that. I would have never picked that up on my own. Yep. 
So, okay. Anyways, keep going. I don't interrupt <laughs> you. Fascinating. So, so what I started doing was I started coming up with different systems and just building off of that mm-hmm. so that I could have that good exchange because I hated giving I hated giving clients a questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Questionnaires suck. Mm-hmm. Questionnaires are essentially more homework, mm-hmm. right? Nobody wants that. So I started, plus most people lie, even if by accident. <laughs> That's just kind of the reality, right? Yeah. And you ask them questions, they might just go like, yeah, yeah. You don't know if they're in their car, they're munching on a burger or something. Like, mm-hmm. like you have to take into account all these different aspects when you're giving somebody something to do on their own. Instead, especially if you come to an expert, right? If you come to me, why do you need to know anything about what I do? Right. Right. When I go to the dentist, I don't need to know anything. I don't need to know what what that machine does. I don't need yeah. to know. I have. I should come in here completely blank slate and just say, "Can you make these cleaner?" Right. Right. And and I should be able to get that done. <laughs> that's about it. Right. Why shouldn't your business be the same? Absolutely. So, so right. So that that's how I approached the whole system. So I came up with all these different systems and it, and I kept refining them over time. So eventually, I got to the point where I started telling clients, "Look, I could do your I could do your design work for you. You come to me for for a website. I could do that, but let me run you through my process first. If I don't solve your problem here first, then I'll go ahead and, and I'll work on the logo and all that. But let's try this first. I start running them through my process and then, because people come to you for business goals, right. right? If you come to me for a business goal and you think a logo is gonna help you, that's not really how it works, right? right? No one spends money and, and goes, man, I love that logo. Take my money right now. Like right. Th- That's not a thought. Well, the whole premise behind sales is solving a problem. There you go. Yeah. And, and that was a problem that I ran into with art is that, Art doesn't solve a problem for the most part. And it's so subjective. It's so subjective. But what does solve a problem is design thinking. Mm-hmm. So, so you can apply design thinking to solve a business problem. And I saw that most people, especially most of my peers, were not doing that. Instead, because I was doing it at first too. I was focused on making the best art I could make. You know, I, I was always focused on how can I flex? How can I really make something that's just going to wow you, right? And, and that's great. That's cool for anybody who's doing that. But the problem with it is, is that it needs to be directed towards a specific goal. Mm-hmm. If it does not solve or serve the specific goal, then you've made a piece of beauty that has nothing attached to it. Sure. And beauty without purpose is essentially useless. Right. And that's it. You, you, you are undermining beauty when you do that. So instead, I, I decided to use my systems to create better ways to find the purpose. The, again, right, the why of things, right? To try right. to really go back and figure out what is the reason? What is the global objective of your business? What are you trying to achieve? Once I found that, I used just a series of psychological systems and words that I put together, a little, couple little exercises with the client. And then through that, I could use that to find out what exactly is, is your real goal? What, mm-hmm. what exactly is your, are you trying to achieve? A lot of people say that they want something, but then when you look at what their actions are, your actions prove otherwise. Right. Right? Absolutely. So, so if, if you right, if you tell me that you you really wanna you really wanna um, spend more time with your family and build better relationships, yet you only you, you barely eat dinner with your with your family. Mm-hmm. You know you barely you, you know or you barely you know hang out with with your husband or your wife or son. Okay, that is not a priority then. Right. Right. You can tell me that, but belief is 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 essentially action. Right. That's what belief is. Otherwise, if you don't put it into action, you don't you don't honestly believe that. So by putting people through these exercises, I can see what they believe. I can see what they actually think. Mm-hmm. And then once I know what they actually think, I can then design for that. Okay. And then, it, it, go ahead. I was just going to say, give me an example of a couple of those exercises. Sure. So, for instance, um, so e- even right now on my website, right? So if, if anybody goes to AmericanWayMaker.com, right? So on the website, I actually have a free ebook that I actually give out for free. That's my whole system. So I, I, I give out my system for free. Because my thing is this, right? If someone can improve on it, I want to know. 
it's if me holding it, you know, to my vest, like that's ah, mine, you know, right. like okay, whoop de doo, until somebody comes up with something better and crushes me. Yeah. So I so it just put it out there and let's my rock with it. But so you can see some of the exercises there. So one okay. one that I do is is called the brand attributes exercise. It's and it's where we break down we break down using six different verticals, um, what essentially is your personality and the business of your personality. So it's your culture. What kind of culture do you have? And this is you as a person or you as a business owner? Both. Both. So, so okay. we have, so so each vertical solves it. So so one vertical is about the culture that you have, about you. This one's about you, especially if, if you're a, um, if you're a, you know, a solo or you're a two-person team or whatever, right? So if you have a, you have a specific culture that you're trying to put into your company, the culture derives from you. Mm-hmm. So that's where culture is focused. Okay. Then we have, how do your customers see you? How do your customers uh, uh, think, how, how, how do you sound to your customers essentially, right? Then we have uh, a feeling one. How, how does your customers feel after interacting with you, mm-hmm. right? How does, um, how do they come away with, with what, what is their personality like after coming away with interacting with you? They come in with one way, right? With some sort of a perspective, mm-hmm. but now they should be changed. They should be transformed in some meaningful way. If not, well, then you're not really doing anything. So they should be transformed in some way. So let's go ahead and list those. And we're listing basically single word adjectives to just go down the line, right? Okay. So, and we just, we just list those out and brainstorm a bunch of them. And then what I do is I facil- facilitate that exercise and I, I just use very, I try to make it as descriptive as, as possible, right? You don't want to say like, cool, happy, yay, right? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> right? Yeah. like that doesn't tell us enough, right? But the, the, real, the real trick of this is that words are technology and people forget that, that words are tech. What they are, are is a, is a ultra compressed form of data mm-hmm. that's been used, refined and honed over thousands of years. So we take ideas, concepts, and and even beliefs, and we compress them into neat little words. And those words contain a ton of information. Right. If I can get you as the client to describe what exactly that, that you need by getting you to use words that you know, that you feel connected to, that you have anchors to, I can then deduce what you have as a belief system. Okay. And so that's what, and so that, that's, that's an easy one right there. Even um, I'll do customer profiles with a client, right? So we, we, we block out the customer's needs and we list out their needs. And then we come up with, uh, we try to match directly one-to-one, what kind of solutions can you provide? Right. And then what happens is people normally go like, 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 like say, say if you are a, uh, say if you're a dentist, right? You're like, I do X, right? I, I, I fit, here's a root canal, here's this, here's it, right? You only have about six, seven services, but we might list out 25 needs. And then right. they're like, well, that's it. I fix teeth and I do it in these ways. That's not good enough. Right. That's just the answer. They, they, it's not good enough. You need to now alleviate these, this, your client's other problems and their other needs. So then I, I find other ways to work with them and push the client so that we can find what that looks like. Whether that be, uh, you know, an, a, a, a reaching out to them, you know, twice a year to remind them uh, of an appointment. Or simply giving them a little bit of uh, educational literature or some material or even just talking with everybody for an extra two minutes before and after to let them know how to go ahead and use some of the basic things that we interact with every day. This is how you should be brushing. This is how you should be doing this. It's easy right. to take that stuff for granted when you're the subject matter expert. Right. Right? And Absolutely. that's that's the thing that most most experts do. They just they just take these things for granted. Mm-hmm. But but they need to solve for the customer's needs. Mm-hmm. So I walk clients through a whole, just a series of exercises that force them to think from the customer's perspective. Okay. And then they use their skill set, their knowledge, and all their expertise to fill in what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And and it's a it's a it's it's a system that once I started implementing on a regular basis, 
it literally made me so that it made it so that way I didn't need to do any more design work. Right. It just kind of just you know, and and it was it wasn't the intention. Yeah. I I, <laughs> it, I intended to do design work, mm-hmm. but at the end of it, it was like uh, I can just write you this instead. Right. You know, or, or I I can I can write something for an onboarding process to make sure that you and your staff are in alignment, so that way when when you're um, you know, when your secretary is spoken to by somebody, you don't cringe because she's going to describe the company goals wrong. Right. You see what I mean? So it, it became that sort of process. So you help strategize both internal and external operations? Yeah. Super fascinating. Because usually, I mean, brand designers that I've worked with or have, you know, known in the past mm-hmm. are mostly external. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about, so let's say using the dentist example. Mm-hmm. You sit down and you do the strategy, you go through all of your exercises. What is the next step to implement those both externally and internally? So how, how the system works is that it's a, so so my system currently, it's a, I call it the, it's the five-step market immersion process. So what it is, is it's it's a series of fun facilitated exercises, right? Like we were saying, all different types. And then we, we go through all of them, right? Mm-hmm. So there's about six of them total. After we go through all six of those, what I do is I, I put that together in a beautifully laid out booklet. Okay. And that booklet, then I sit down with the client once it's done, and we go over it together. Because in in order for in order for this system to work, I need to make sure a that I was accurate in all my assessments of their client's beliefs, but I also need to make sure that my client is is crystal clear on everything that I wrote for them in their booklet. So that way, when I'm not there, when they're not there, they can articulate it exactly the same way that it's written, exactly the same way that we have it down. That way it becomes a framework, mm-hmm. right? Once we know it's a framework, then you don't need to, to reference it constantly. And then what happens is um, if we're good on that, if everything is smooth and they feel that, yes, I, I thoroughly understand that there's no fogginess whatsoever, then I have them implement that in their different systems, which we figure out during during the process. Okay. So say, for instance, um, your basic brand statement, right? What do you do? Right. Most businesses still can't answer. What do you do? Right. Right. I I know plenty of people who've been in business. They're making good money. Everything's great. And then you go to a mixer or something and they're like, what do you do? And you get hit with an eye roll. And and it's like, well, you know, and and it's just it's this sloppy sort of answer. You know what I mean? And then and then, you know, you did bad whenever when people look at you and they're like, interesting. Yeah. So and then they just kind of turn away like you've you've lost it. You've already lost your audience right there. So, so we, we make sure that we go over things like that. We make sure that, that that's not a problem anymore. We make sure that, that when you're answering um, people, essentially, you don't, you don't say, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm an insurance guy. Yeah. No, you're not. You're not an insurance guy, right? You, 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 you essentially, you, you're, 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 selling death in, you're, selling, you're selling death insurance, right? You're, right. You're, 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 you're making sure that when someone leaves Earth, that their family is prepared, yeah. right? It's deeper than that. You can, you can, we can just simplify it and say, yeah, you sell insurance. But what you're providing is a very, very deep and necessary thing. Mm-hmm. And you need to explain that because everybody becomes jaded to things. Right. And that's and that's the problem is that people are not looking deeply enough at what they provide. Mm-hmm. And so I help people implement it in their in their website copy, um, in the way that they interact with people. How do they actually answer? How do they onboard staff? Right. Do they bring on new staff members and just simply say, all right, here, learn your desk. You know, you're part of the desk job. Learn your role right here. And then that's it. Right. Or do you tell them, why are you here? Why are we doing this? What's the point of this? The way the reason why our company has this set of of methods is because of X. You need to explain that stuff. Mm -hmm. But you go to most jobs. That is not the case. They just they just onboard people. And then when they lose staff members, I was going to say employee retention is probably much better. hundred percent. Yeah. Because you you have no reason that you have no cohesion. Right. You just know I need money. So I'm going to get a job. 
I get a job. I don't really give a crap about this company. I'm gonna go steal some sticky notes and pens, sure. and I'm, I'm gonna go do, <laughs> and I'm gonna go ahead and do my thing. Right? That's about it. But as soon as something better comes along, you're out. Right. You're out. Absolutely. Well, and I'm sure the same can be said for the customer experience as well. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Customers need a buy-in. You you have you have to have. It, I mean, here's the thing, right? Everybody needs to have a mission, right? Even if your mission is tiny, even if your mission seems insignificant, the mission is still the mission. The mission must be accomplished. Mm-hmm. That is all people need. That that the, the idea that um, the idea that even like the concept of hope is not incorporated in what people do is silly to me. Hope right. hope is something that we can psychologically. There's tons of literature on this where you can see people in in terrible situations, survival scenarios, war scenarios, where people should have died by all accounts, right? But the thing that helped them survive was their ability to hang on to hope. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's that's what humans need. Humans are not just a one-dimensional creature. We're not like people like to say, "Oh yeah, we're 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 just like other animals." No, we're not. No, we're not. When was the yeah. last time you seen wolves build skyscrapers? Right. Like yeah. no, no, <laughs> Never. no. It's not happening. Like we're not on the same level. Mm-hmm. But we're also not this one-dimensional creature, where the spiritual uh, element is not connected. Right. We need these other pieces of ourselves. So if you're not embedding that into your company, then you're missing a, cru- a crucial element. Now some businesses don't need it. Right. Like if you have a mechanic shop. People need to get their cars fixed. So you don't need to really be talking to people on that level. If you do, it will be better. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is that anytime you implement these elements into it, you will be better. Mm-hmm. Everything is better. You have a better connection. You'll have loyalty from your customers. You'll have a far cleaner and, and, and more coherent connection across the board. That's it. But it's just that and that's what people are missing when they're doing branding. Right. Branding is just I mean, think about it. Right. What's the diff- do, you, do you know the difference between branding and identity? Um, if you asked me a year ago, I would have been no. Um, today I'd probably, well, a year ago I would have thought branding was your logo, your colors, your font. That's not, it. branding is the way that people feel about you. It's how you they go. interpret your business. Exactly. And most people don't understand that, mm-hmm. right? So most people are saying, we're going to go ahead and do your brand for you, right? So we're going to get you cool hats, we're going to get you some swag, we're going to get you a, a logo. merchandise. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. but that's that's generally what it is. I yeah. mean, I mean, people everywhere they literally think that, right? Mm-hmm. Stamp my logo on everything in this room. We got ourselves a brand, right? right? And then, th- so that's like level one branding, right? That's like of, of common misconception branding. Level two branding is um, we're gonna get, we're gonna go crazy with your social media. We're gonna brainwash everybody and say a thing over and over again, and you know, and sort of do our neuro linguistic programming and go after it a thousand times, right? But no one's creating the perception. Mm-hmm. No one's working on the perception, right? And what's in the primary way that you work on the perception is through experiences. Right. You gotta have. You have to create the experiences. Right. That's it. Well, that was a huge takeaway for me when I was like, oh, okay, branding isn't all of these tangible things that you look at, but rather how other people view your business and how they feel about your business. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, you're like, shit, I can't really um, like control how people feel about my business, but to an extent, you can. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you could. You, you the way you control how people feel about your business is through every single interaction that they have with it. Right. Right. Every touch point. Every every single time that, like for me, right. For instance, I when when I um I got rid of business cards. I stopped doing okay. business cards. Instead, I have okay. something on my screen right here on yep. my phone, and I have a QR code. Right. So whenever I'm out and about, if somebody's like, "Hey, can we keep in contact?" I just flash them one of these and say, "Go ahead, take a picture of this, and we can stay in contact." It's a it's a smoother thing. Also, it's something that I have that looks nice. It's designed well. Where when they see it, it's a little bit more impactful. 
right? Even if I did have, when even when I did do business cards, I went for like the nicest, thickest. I want, so I want, a, I want a business card that like you can't even bend in half, right? Right, and, and once, it probably ended up on like the floorboard. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it sucks, yeah. right? Yeah, like, like, and that's the promise. Like, man, you you spend all this time it's and like, energy, and it's like a hundred bucks for fifty yes. of those suckers. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. and they're beautiful. And they're like velvet on it and crap. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, you're sitting there looking. I'm going, yeah, yeah, this is gonna get me somewhere. And people are using them to like scrape lotto tickets, <laughs> like, <laughs> like. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, it, it just kind of falls away, right? Yeah. So, so why, why, if we know that, right, then why have that as a, as an interaction, mm-hmm. right? Just remove it all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with me, right? When, when I meet people, I make sure that I just, I just give them me. I, I don't sit there and go like, hey, do you need some brand strategy? And, and, and I start pitching them. I just talk. Mm-hmm. I just start, I just start talking to them because the, the way that I interact with people is exactly the same way my business itself functions. Is that it's through the dialogue. That, that's how we're going to get to know each other. That's how I can understand what your problem is. I need to diagnose the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Because what's that old saying? It's like um, uh, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. Sure. Right. So that and that's that's the that's what I believe when it comes to how you how you're operating with your business. If I'm if I'm if you're bringing me in as a consultant, and then people say, hey, can you just take a look at my website and take a look at my stuff and tell me what I should do? Like, I don't know you. I don't right. I don't know your stuff. I haven't yeah. talked with you. I haven't. You. I. I have to put you through something so I could understand who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise, if I just say, yeah, I think you need some better web copy. Right. Everybody could use better web copy. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to an extent, that's just surface level. It's not really going to solve any 100%. problems. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and that goes into a lot of what I offer my clients, which is diagnosing the problems in the back end of things mm. and internal operations and systems like that. I mean, it's very much the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we could spend a month together doing um, our strategy, mm-hmm. but I don't really know how to direct you and tell you what to do and essentially assign, assign homework to you to start fixing these operations until we spend a lot of time in your business. Yep. So yep. And a lot, I think a lot of people, I definitely have had a lot of people say like, oh, I just I just want you to tell me how to fix it. I'm like, it don't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't nope. work like that. Nope. Yeah. So. And, 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 and that's one of the first things that I attack. So again, right, about the experience. <clears throat> I, I make sure that in in my interaction with people, I make sure that one of the first things they understand in, in while interacting with me is that I will not be I will not be doing that. There is no form of what I do that will A give you some sort of immediate gratification. I would just tell you what you want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And if I tell you that I'm lying, yeah. Right. And if anybody tells you that they're lying. Absolutely. Right. But that's the problem is that they, people like to be lied to. That's just the reality. Right. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, right. Because that's the thing. Right. The, the part of what. So, OK. So you've probably went through this then. When you're talking to clients, a lot of what happens is that you have to dig through what they're saying to find where the truth is, mm-hmm. because what they're saying cannot be true. Oh, yeah. I mean, that goes for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, consulting, selling real estate, selling cars. I mean, yep. everybody to an extent will lie for the first thing that comes out of your mouth. You have to figure out what the root of the problem is or you're going to have problems converting. 100%. You yep. know? Yep. And then you won't know why. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, so I work a lot in like the lead generation part mm. of the processes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go, well, well, who should I talk to? I'm like, I don't know. Where did your business come from? in the last year, 90 days, six mm-hmm. months. Um, what did you say to them? How did their conversations go? On average, how many people did you reach out to that actually responded? Like, I can't tell you anything until yep. I have that data first. Yep. 
So, and a lot of people go, oh, you know, I just say this and then they never respond. And I'm like, okay, well, let's dig a little deeper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did it really go that way? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> it exactly. You know, and a lot yeah. of, I mean, it's not like malicious. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just people don't know any better. Yep. And then people have their habits. Mm-hmm. They have their own preconcept, right? It's, it's everybody has their own filter that they, that they apply to the world. Mm-hmm. But the world is what it is, mm-hmm. right? That, that's the way I always explain is that it's a... Uh, Reality exists. There's just reality. You, everyone has different types of shades they mm-hmm. put on. And we're all looking at reality, but it changes based on the shades you put on. Right. And that's it. So when you're talking to someone else, you have to recognize they're wearing another pair of shades. Yeah. That's different than you, and that changes the way they see reality. So it's about sitting there and digging through and asking them, how does this look to you? What is that? So, so we're looking at a ball, right? But is it red? Mm-hmm. Is it a green one, right? That like You have to dig through that stuff because otherwise both, you, both people can say, yeah, there's a ball there. Right. Right? But, uh, but I say it's a beach ball. Yeah. You say it's a soccer ball. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Now we have, we have to dig now, right? <laughs> now we have to go back and, and, and look into what we're talking about. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. You're describing it as red. Let's define red. Yeah. Right? You have to go real small sometimes and go through these little micro steps. Before you can actually get to somewhere with a person you literally just met. <laughs> well, yeah, and that kind of goes into one of my favorite quotes, which is your uh, your perception is your reality. And I have a yep. lot of people go and, and ask me, like, what is, you know, what I wrote my book about. It's all mindset. What does that have to do with lead generation and systems in your business? I'm like, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Uh, exactly what you're saying, depending on what lens you're looking through. Yep. It's, so if you look at, look at, like, Tony Robbins, right? Mm-hmm. He charges, what, a million dollars for these retreats and things like that, right? Yeah. And what is it? It's four and a half days of mindset. Mm -hmm. Mindset, mindset. No tactics. No, no, no hardcore, you know, how can we do this? How do you implement in your business? His retreats are like two weeks long and the first almost full week is about mindset. Yep. It is the number one problem that that shuts people down is their own limiting beliefs and their ability to conceive or imagine something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, that's why it always cracks me up when someone says, I can't imagine what, what the problem is. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, there you go. You're right, thank you. <laughs> right there. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> right, like that, when people don't even notice because it comes out in your language, mm-hmm. right? But people's own limiting beliefs is so incredible sometimes to, to, the, to the point where it, it's as good as like a physical cover, like a blindfold or something like that, where you both can be looking at a scenario, but they see something totally different. Yeah. And, it, and to them, they go, it's impossible. But yet when someone else succeeds, they go, oh, well, that's because insert excuse. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just the way it goes or that stuff doesn't happen to people like me. Mm-hmm. I hear that so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. That's, that's why for me, I, I always push back on that crap where I'm like, okay, so I grew up, I grew up as some, some kid in dirt, in a dirt poor hood somewhere in, in Connecticut. Yeah. That, that's where I'm from originally. Okay. Like. So what about that then? If I had that limiting belief that, well, I guess everybody else around me is broke. I guess broke is where I stay. That is a That's huge crazy. part of the book. Like, you know, who's, what, why do I get to succeed over somebody else? Mm-hmm. You know, who gave me the right type of deal? Yep. Well, you know, yeah. Yourself. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Which people can see me pointing at myself yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well... Great discussion here. This is probably going to be one of the longest episodes on the podcast, which I'm digging it. I'm digging (laughs) it. So let's transition into, um, I think a lot of people on here are going to go, I didn't know that's what branding was. Mm. I didn't know this ideology could be implemented in my business to fix a problem. So what is one thing that somebody could do today, an entrepreneur just starting or in their business that would help them get closer to that? What I would say is, It'll sound a little self-serving, but like I said, I, I say grab my ebook. Okay. 
I give away the strategy. Yeah, I'm going to download it. Yeah, go I, for it. Yeah. I mean, I already subscribed to the email list. So. Oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll put it down in the show notes. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say grab the ebook because the, the reason why I would say that is because it's, it's, my, it's one of my best efforts of how to answer that question. Mm-hmm. I, I put that out there specifically because, you know, I, I have a minimum engagement fee that I have with people, right? So, so when people come to me and they say, ah, I can't pay X, Y, and Z, right? Okay, that's fine. But I still wanted to find a way to help them, mm-hmm. right? So even though you are not going to be able to work with me directly, at least you're going to be able to have my ideas, my system, and then you can at least implement that system to some degree. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you implement that system, even to a minimal degree, you're going to be years ahead yeah. of where you would be otherwise if you spent all day on YouTube trying to learn about productivity and scheduling yourself, right? Because every entrepreneur has done that mm-hmm. where you, you go, oh, you, for sure. right? You, you read a, a ton of books, you yeah. watch a bunch of crap and then what? You, you're, you're slightly more improved. Mm-hmm. It, there, there, there's better methods. There's better ways to go ahead and speed up your learning process. And I think one of the best ways is just to jump into it and start doing it. The, the ebook that I made helps people do that. Okay. It just runs them through the process and helps them get right to work. That's it. Start making mistakes. So, yeah, absolutely. So I'll link that down below. Now, Mm -hmm. we talk a lot on this podcast about the value of time and money. Mm. In my opinion, you can, I mean, you either spend the time learning the ebook and doing all the resources and trying to do it on your own, Mm -hmm. or you spend the money to work with you. 100%. So talk to me about someone's listening and say, you know, ebook sounds great, but I'd rather just give you my dollars so Mm -hmm. that I can keep the time. What does that look like? So what that looks like for, uh, for people working with me is that, um, I put them through my five-step market immersion process, right? So we break that down into either we can do it in one six-hour uh, chunk or we could do it in two, three-hour sessions, okay. right? So uh, those two sessions, basically, I'm going to shorten a year and a half wor- uh, worth of uh, time and effort and research and business planning and all this into about six hours. Okay. They schedule a time with me. They reach out to me. We go over our, uh, w- what that looks like. Um, and then that's it. Then we book our time together. Um, we do the, 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 I, I like to do two, three hour sessions cause they're fairly intense. They're, Six hours seems like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. yeah, I, I, I've done it a bunch of times, yeah. but for like, I don't know for, for me, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly interested in it so right. I, I can do it. It did. My energy is motivated because I'm so interested in people's business and solving their problems mm-hmm. so I can do it. But I know it's, it's rough on people sometimes. So I do recommend the two, three hour sessions okay. because after it, you'd be surprised. Like all of a sudden you're 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 hungry like you're it's like tired like DoorDash schedule yeah. <laughs> I'm not making through the 6 yes. hours <laughs> yes like it's draining because yeah. I'm, because and I would tell people expect to be dragged into the deep end mm-hmm. when when most people right when you when they're working with me the, they are they're they're comfortable in their expertise mm-hmm. where they're and and I'm solving a time equation Everybody who spent time, your whole career, learning your expertise, becoming powerful in your skill set, that's exactly the same amount of time you have not spent learning marketing, psychology, behavioral modification, behavioral psychology, different different forms of uh, game science, game theory. You haven't learned any of those things. Right. So literally it's a time problem that we're solving. That's really the biggest part of this. And so if you understand that, that your time is worth more than anything else, then you need to work with me. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I use my money to buy my time. Right. That's what I do with my cash. I always try to make sure that I'm buying back as much time as possible because you don't get any more of that. Absolutely. So anybody who understands that, you know, that, then, the yeah, then don't waste time sitting there trying to learn it. Now you could, right? Because I did it. I, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm not, and I'm not faulting any entrepreneur out there who says, listen, I don't have the cash. I can't do it now. Yeah. Then, then, that, then that's your path. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do. But then know that and attack it. Don't sit there and waste time and then, you know, and blame other people, right? Attack it, start learning it. But if you have the cash and you can go ahead and just say, no, 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 my time is more important, then let's get going. 
Okay. There, there, there's nothing to wait, nothing to wait for. I mean, you're, you're not going to figure it out. I mean, that's just no. the reality of it, right? <laughs> yeah, you, absolutely. You have your expertise and your skill set. I am not going to learn how to do dentistry. I was going to say, right? same reason why you yes. get your teeth cleaned. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't make my own clothes, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to learn those things. Instead, I'm going to use my cash, buy those things and move on. That's yeah. how it works. But you, you have to, you have to make that commitment with yourself. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Awesome. And they can get in touch with you via your website? Yes. Right on the website. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Now let's get into the last question that I ask everybody. This is my favorite. <laughs> so, um, as most of you know, if you've listened before and kind of how we were talking, I wrote Project Badass to talk about mindset number one, but also your big why. So your big why is why you do what you do every single day. Being an entrepreneur is freaking hard. Um, we never know where a paycheck is coming from. We could easily clock in a nine to five and probably have a whole hell of a lot of stress on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. So, but we still choose to do it for this big why. So tell me yours. So I say my big why is that I want to create influential leaders and entrepreneurs all over the country who solve meaningful problems at their community level. I think that I think what's going on now is that too many companies and too many too many influencers are focused on the scaling uh, model, right? Sure. Everyone wants to be the next person who scales and all of a sudden it becomes uh, Adidas or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't think that's we're running out of room for that. There's only a handful of companies on earth who own everything already as it is. Right. The idea that you're going to elbow your way into that is is it's just not realistic. It's not it's not that it's impossible, but the idea that everybody's going to do that, it's just not real. And instead, I think that the way we bring more change to the world, the way that we can influence uh, the we can influence people's lives in a way that's productive and actually beneficial to people is by working on our communities. And that doesn't mean like, because people take that and they, and they immediately, especially in the business world, right? They immediately roll their eyes with that, like, all right, what are we doing? Helping like the old folks home and that, right? And in a sense, yes. What if, what if you can create some software that all of the old folks' homes can utilize that makes it easier to care for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. You're still going to go ahead and make a crap load of money. You're still going to be able to scale at, the, at a range that's realistic and achievable, Right. But are you going to go ahead and branch out to Paris and, and you know, and stretch over there? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't be the focus. The focus should be on the community level. If you can improve people's lives at a community level, then the world is possible. Absolutely. So I have a story to share that goes right in conjunction of that. Sure. So you're a Chick-fil-A fan. Yes. I, I assume. Yes. Okay, me too. I was like, I knew I liked you. Yeah. So I just want to make sure. <laughs> so... Chick-fil-A has been around for a really long time, mm-hmm. but it hasn't always been like the mega franchise that we know and love for healthy fast food. Mm-hmm. So back in um, the 90s, they had a competitor come out. Um, we know them as Boston Market now, but it was Boston Chicken. Mm-hmm. Now, to, up to this point, Chick-fil-A was relatively, didn't have many, many competitors at all. And when Boston Mark or Boston Chicken um, came out, they made this huge public statement of being the first uh, fast food restaurant to earn a billion dollars in revenue. So Chick Fil A was like losing its shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, we have to be like, how do we beat these people? So just imagine like a boardroom full of all the top dogs at Chick Fil A and the CEO. And I don't know if you know much about the CEO, but he's a very outspoken man. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting at the end of the boardroom table. Hands on the table, looking down, which is not like him because he likes to talk. And all of his executives, like, talking over each other. How do we become, you know, how do we beat them? How do we become the best? Like, we're freaking out. Mm. And he slams his hand on the table and goes, I'm sick and tired of hearing you guys talk about how to become bigger when all we need to focus on is how to become better. 
Because if we focus on how to create better systems for our customers and the experience, it's going to be a natural byproduct that they require our business to grow bigger. Mm-hmm. So then they implemented the um, uh, drive through lanes that we know now. There's really no other fast food restaurant out there that has their employees stand out and take it out your window. Yeah. Um, and a ton of other things. And they, in turn, by that product, they had to open more stores because there was the demand for it. And funny enough, Boston Chicken went Boston Chicken went bankrupt in I think 2004, mm-hmm. and they had to rebrand into Boston Market. And now Chick Fil A is like everybody knows who Chick Fil A is, oh, yeah. and they're all over the country. So when I heard that story, I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, if I just focus on bettering my systems, bettering my customer experience, by nature, I'm gonna have to grow into a bigger business. Yep. So. Yep. Hundred percent. Awesome. Last question for you. We know your big why, we know why you do what you do every single day, but it's really easy to get into the mundane day-to-day working on a client project. It's very easy to just kind of coast. Mm-hmm. How do you make sure you stay true to your big why? You got to stay curious. You you have to stay interested, right? Like I look at I look at um one okay, this is the easier way for you. I, I guess it's it's a, it's almost an anti sort of uh sort of a, a method for me, okay. right? It bothers me a lot when I see non-curious people. Okay. They bother the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I when I see somebody and 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 I'm watching them and I, I'm like, hey, maybe you could try it this way and it'll be a little bit better. And they're like, meh, I'll do it the way that way it works. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but there is a better way that you could just do and it's within your reach. And they're like, meh. I'm like, why are you here? What are you doing? <laughs> and right. I, and it makes me want to go off on them. You know what I yeah. mean? Because I I'm always looking for improvement. So I would say, honestly, it's like there's sort of an air of like apathy out there with a lot of people that are just sort of flat on things. I, I, I don't have any of that in me. Mm-hmm. So, so, so for me, every time I even kind of get a little like, you know, a little jaded towards something, literally when I run into another person and I see that they're just sort of flat on something, I don't, I, I don't want to be that so bad mm-hmm. that it just it, it snaps me out of <laughs> it. It like pushes you in the opposite it, direction. It does. I yeah. swear, when I see laziness, when I see someone who's just sort of doing a thing because they can't think of a better way or they, they don't care, it bothers the crap out of me. Right. So every time I see that stuff, I swear, it gives me like limit, limitless energy. It, it literally can be like, I, I'll have somebody call me late at night and it'll be a friend or something and they're like, oh, you know, what are you doing? And I'll tell them what I'm working on. What are you doing? I'm um, just nothing hanging out. What? What do you mean nothing? Watching TV. <laughs> yeah, I call you back. Like, yeah, yeah. like I, I just, I'm just like that with people. So, it's it's generally that. It's whenever I see that level of laziness and and uncuriousness towards the world. There's there's so much crazy stuff in life. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see how you get bored. Absolutely. Right. Like it, that. That's just literally how it is for me. So so when I see people who who sort of engage that way, I it just it just it just snaps me out of my, every time I catch myself falling into some sort of a glazed over sort of mode, pops me right out of it. So that's what it is for me. If everybody was around me rocking it and super successful, maybe then I'd, I would get sort of. <laughs> Have to figure out a different outlet. Yeah, yeah. Maybe okay. I'll try to innovate laziness at that point. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> awesome. Well, I know we've talked a little bit about this, but where can everybody find you? Website, social media, that kind of thing. So right now, most of, most of my everything I have is on my website right now. Um, okay. I'm on everything else is just going to be at Isaac Hopkins, and then I'm going to be putting a, a big uh, a big push to redo a lot of my social media. My whole world for the longest has been an email. 
that's where ev- sure. yeah, okay. that's where everything has been at because that's where the money was from my clients and for myself was an email. So I have all my social media, but I barely have been using it. Mm-hmm. But this year, I'm going to be crushing it and putting it out there. And now I got to go flex on that zone. So. Right, you told everybody, so now you have to go do it. I have to go do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, before we sign off here, is there anything else that you want to tell the listeners? I think it's, I, I was I would say be curious. Get out there and and learn about things. Don't 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 ever use oh, it's too hard as, a, as some sort of a barrier. That, that's one of the silliest barriers. When something's difficult, you know then you should be going in that direction. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Isaac. Thank you.